Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about advertisement, how you can market your startup with a no startup when you need to compete with big brands, well-known brands. I know how it's hard because uh, these brands have a lot of resources and customers trust them. So you need to win them. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with you, Israel. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure about that. You know, um, I have this issue uh, all the time with my clients uh, that uh, uh, don't know how to create the right strategy, don't know how to compete with big brands, uh, don't know how to find unique selling proposition, uh, consider their strong sides. Uh, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this topic. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been doing digital marketing for almost about 10 years now. Um, and I mean, I, I'm originally from America. I currently live, I live in Israel and Israel's got a lot of tech startups here, a lot of them. And I kind of just, um, um, I wanted to make a big impact, particularly when it came to customer service, when I moved to Israel coming from America, which had fantastic customer service. So as I started to do marketing, I decided that customer service strategy and working with people directly and giving them the, the, the service that they need for their long-term sales cycle was something I thought that I could uniquely provide. And through that, we've been able to grow to an agency of 25 people providing advertising, SEO, and other services. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, I have the first question about uh, creating the right strategy. Can you tell how to craft this right strategy? Because, you know, I, I see when uh, many uh, new company startups, they usually uh, check out successful competitors who have experience, uh, knowledge, skills, and uh, if they have a long plan strategy that works for them, it doesn't mean that you can use totally the same strategy because uh, uh, we have different unique selling proposition, we have different customers. Uh, so let's start from the basic, how to create the strategy. Right. Well, it really depends on the company and the stage that they're at. So let's say uh, when it comes to B2B tech, let's B2B startups in particular, they're, um, or you could say startups in general, but they're usually two different kinds of startups depends on the approach to the strategy that you take. There are those that, let's say, are disruptors. Those that people don't know about your service, your solution, you're providing something new, right? You're saving time, you're making things more secure, um, you're able to process data faster. There's all kinds of different kinds of technology companies and what they're doing. Um, however, if they don't know what you're doing, then the strategy usually involves, first off, a lot more awareness, um, first and foremost. So therefore, you're going to need to use social media platforms so you can find the people that need to make those decisions. So your strategy is usually going to be heavily LinkedIn focused, maybe Quora focused, Twitter focused, et cetera. Um, and then, of course, and then Google will come secondary to social media that will help you with search. On the other hand, if there's already a solution that's similar, you already have established competitors in the space, then usually strategy will have a stronger hand on focusing on Google because they're already searching for your solutions. You already have competitors that are in the space and people are going to be searching for those competitors. So you want to be able to bid on those competitors directly. And that's going to be able to give you quality traffic and quality leads that are relatively low funnel. And that's how you're going to, that's how you decide your strategy is whether they're already familiar with your solution um, or the greater solution or not to know whether it should be more focused on social media or more focused on search. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you remind me when um, in 2020, 
I decided to grow my social media network and I tried to cover uh, all of them, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, uh, name them. And, you know, I failed to get uh, awesome results in most cases because um, uh, it takes time, you know, to uh, learn about uh, specific social media. It takes time to repurpose content. So then um, and my best results were like uh, five, ten followers a day, a hundred views, not more. Uh, then I switched all my attention to LinkedIn and grew my audience uh, uh, because of focusing on one specific direction uh, and I got it Jack of Trades Master of None you know uh, and for example many people are trying to copy Gary Vee or any other recognizable experts who can cover a lot of uh, social media uh, many social media but you know uh, I found that uh, Gary Vee has a team he has resources you know to do it uh, so uh, and you mentioned about uh, social media about google can you tell if you start from scratch how to find the right channel uh, your advice about that well i mean kind of i opened up with it right so if they're already familiar with your product you would be heavily google um, but other than that linkedin would be usually the most important channel the reason is because it's got scale right linkedin and google you can target almost anyone you want when it comes to b2b uh, startups. So being able to start on LinkedIn, being able to reach your target audience there and letting them know of your product is the way to go. However, there are other platforms that are underrated um, or underutilized, um, depending on your segment, such as uh, Quora, Twitter, um, sometimes Facebook, uh, Reddit, that you should also be considering because you can be able to find them there too. And often those cost per clicks are much cheaper. Cost per clicks on LinkedIn are very expensive, but the targeting is superior and you're able to get scale. So being able to make a mix of the different touch points and being able to reach your audience where they are, that isn't just LinkedIn, but also other social media is where to start. If you have a small budget, then obviously, I mean, I would start with LinkedIn first, but then be ready to expand and look around where else they are and maybe put at least a few hundred dollars, maybe starting with remarketing um, in other platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell how to find the right data when you uh, create a buying persona uh, or, uh, I don't know, like to reach out to the right people on LinkedIn? Because, you know, I found that many uh, marketers usually pay attention to Facebook and Google and they ignore LinkedIn because of limited possibilities. You know, they can't get the right data. But I know some marketers who are, are successful with that. You know, uh, they handle budget like 120 million dollars, you know, uh, uh, many, many clients. And, you know, they uh, they get the right data. They can set up the right data and get awesome results. Can you tell about finding the right data, for example, uh, when you create marketing message on LinkedIn? Yeah, I mean, so there's a few messages. I mean, a few ways. First off, well, look, I'm very biased towards LinkedIn. Our clients are B2B. So LinkedIn is the best place to find them. The targeting for B2B on Facebook is very poor. So you're not able to do it. We do, we are resellers of, let's say, technology companies such as uh, Metadata, which allows us to be able to target people on Facebook with, uh, like you would, the audience on LinkedIn. And so you're able to pay a fraction of the cost per click on Facebook as opposed to LinkedIn. But the the match rate is usually closer to 40%, but it's obviously easily worth the money. You save the money in the cost per click. So that's kind of the data that you're looking for. The other data you want to do is obviously keyword research to see what kind of keywords, what are the things that you and your competitors, what are you showing up on both ads and organically, and probably use that data based on how competitive those, those keywords are in order to build out a plan for that messaging. 
Additionally, you want to reverse engineer with your sales team and find out who are the right people that you want to target um, and what are the main core messages. And you want to use that information and use that specifically in your ads so you can bring in that relevant advertising uh, directly. One of the main things when it comes to finding their target persona using data is that people might just say, oh, this is the target audience that I want to reach. This is the job title at the company that I want. However, when you do proper ICP research, we're able to go, let's say, look at HubSpot or your marketing CRM or your sales CRM to see who actually became uh, SQLs and opportunities. And we're able to look at the LinkedIn profiles, reverse engineer targeting. And often we find the person that you think that you want to target isn't the person that's going to request the job for a demo. So actually going into, going into your CRM, reverse engineering, looking at the data itself instead of using your intuition is a very good way to, is a very good, is a very good starting point. But it doesn't mean you should discard your intuition at all. But it should be it should be able to support it. Yeah, I love intuition because uh, nobody knows what actually works. So sometimes you need to rely to your intuition, you know, because right. you know uh, your products, you know uh, how good. Uh, so yeah, and we have a good question from Susan. What's been your favorite digital marketing job so far? Well, the one I have now. I mean, I'm the founder of my own company, so I love it. I mean, you know, when you get to own and build it and uh, it's definitely the hardest job I had. Yeah, Susan, I, I just want to suggest, uh, no, it's better to find what you actually like, because I see when content creators, marketers burn out, give up because they choose something that uh, are not related to their skills or are not interested in that. For example, um, you need to enjoy your time. If you don't enjoy your time, uh, I'm not sure it's a good idea to go ahead with that. And uh, for example, I enjoy creating content. I enjoy writing articles, uh, filming videos, uh, recording podcasts because, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's like hobby. It's not about even job. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and uh, when people don't enjoy, when uh, they suffer, you know, uh, after eight hours they can't feel good. You know, everything what they can do just to watch TV. And uh, yeah, that's why, uh, if I remember correctly, like uh, six hours a day people can watch TV. It's a lot now. So it's ridiculous. Want, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Everything. Everyone should go onto your phone right now. And you can check in your settings how many hours a day you spend on your phone. You'd be surprised how much time you spend. It's actually really depressing. Sorry for ruining yeah. the day, but, but I'm actually helping you because you're already ruining your day for spending six hours on this on a screen that's not work related. Yeah, exactly. But by the way, I, I told my son, you know, you you can uh, use TikTok, but create content. <laughs> Don't use TikTok to watch. Only watch. You know, you can analyze other content creators, but if you wanna uh, go to TikTok. Create content, so yeah, uh, it helps to uh, How old is your creativity. Son? Twelve years old, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not a lot. How much time did you like, spend on TikTok? Ah, uh, you know, uh, luckily he has other hobbies like soccer. Uh, he loves to play soccer more, so sometimes that's uh, good. When, that's that's, yeah, that's better. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't love uh, to read books, you know, for me, it's my passion, you know, to read more books because, yeah, I can spend a lot of time by reading books instead of watching TV, so it, it's my, mm -hmm. it, it's more enjoyable process. <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about uh, time, uh, uh, lifetime value, for example, uh, cost per click is cost, you mentioned that on LinkedIn it costs a lot, and sometimes, you know, uh, we can't get uh, $2 back if you invest 
dollar. Yeah, so uh, but we can uh, sell uh, to customers more times. We can uh, the customer can bring uh, his friends, you know, her friends, you know, uh, to our products. Can you tell about how to measure this uh, time value, you know, of customers when you? Uh, uh, I don't know when you uh, are trying to analyze ROI. Yeah, so I mean, if we're we're only talking B two B here, is that fair, right? Or yeah. you want to talk? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, in general, you would take how much is your median, and of course, this is the challenge: is that there's a wide range for how much your how much your revenue you got you're going to get. So say, how much revenue do you get a month, a year, right, from a client? Usually, they sign on for a year for technology companies, and then how long do they last? So let's say it's a let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars a year. Usually, on for three years. We'll say lifetime value is $300,000. But usually the truth is we raise prices. There are your technology, your R&D, and your research team ends up adding other kinds of services on top of that. And so what you're going to do is that you need to keep in mind that you're very likely to actually get far more than, let's say, that $300,000 lifetime value of a, of a median of $100,000 times a medium of, let's say, three years. So with you, because ideally the goal is to be able to upsell them, provide new provide new technologies, you know, provide new services, provide new upsells, um, and find other ways to get that to expand. And ideally, if your technology continues to be cutting edge, then you can expand that three-year lifetime to hopefully, you know, five, six, indefinitely. So you can continue to be able to extract, give value, and get more lifetime value in return. Yeah, yeah, great point. Okay, let's talk about... Uh, uh, Simplicity. For example, you know, when, when I check out advertisement from Apple, I see simple message. Uh, make difference, you know, uh, many uh, related to that, you know, uh, very simple. But uh, many other brands, they usually write a lot, you know, uh, long presentation. Uh, I can't tell. Uh, of course, it depends uh, which uh, works much better. But from your experience, how to find the right balance between simple message and uh, long content in your advertisement on landing pages for different. Uh, can you repeat the last part of the question? You, uh, your audio guy, you have some background noise. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, uh, for example, when you create a landing page, uh, how to find the right length uh, to, I mean, like, uh, to submit your message? Because, you know, uh, if I see uh, big brands, they usually use uh, short text you know uh, not a lot they usually submit uh, all, all the necessary information you know uh, but uh, many brands other brands they can uh, add a lot of text you know uh, and probably you know uh, it can confuse customers uh, to buy products what do you think how to find this balance between short content and long content in landing pages it's a great question. So look, if you're a big, well-known brand, people are already there knowing what you do, right? We discussed this earlier, right? Google versus LinkedIn, do you need to educate your audience? And so you do more social. If you're a well-known brand, right? Let's say walk me as an example, you don't need to provide as much, just fill out the form, you know what we do, right? But the main thing isn't about length. The main thing is about getting how, what do you have to do in order to get someone to fill out a form? So one, your form should be the minimum amount of fields necessary in order for it to fill out your CRM and to get the information you need for you to qualify that they're relevant. The next thing that you're gonna need to do is you're gonna want social proof. So I mean, it could be client logos, maybe a testimonial, maybe a short quote, 
whatever that is on the landing page in order for you to be able to provide that. But the most important thing that one needs to consider is that people put all this text on the landing page and need to keep in mind what's above the fold, right? What do people see before they scroll down? How do we be able to capture and engage them? So make sure that you either have good colors, you know, that are contrasting, maybe a good image, maybe some very good text that anchors them, that speaks to their pain point and let them feel that in order for them to relieve their pain point, they need to speak to you or they need to, let's say, fill out the form to download the piece of content that will guide them in the right direction. So make sure you have that ability that I'm here to solve something. A lot of other people use us, so maybe some logos, and also maybe a quarter or two, so some people use us and they're happy, and that they, they feel they can relate to those people talking about how they use your product, your service, and then you want to tie that all in. Sometimes you need more length to explain what your product does, especially if they're not exactly sure how it works, right? Sometimes you don't need to. Sometimes it's very straightforward, and you can literally do it in a header and four bullets. So I don't think length, I think it's more about being complete, of giving everything that they need to know that they need your product without giving too much value. So they, they feel like I have just enough that I need, but I need more. So I'll fill out the form. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, I read the book uh, from David Duncan, The Secret Lives of Customers. And on this book, he mentioned that uh, today uh, we have a lot more bots than human beings uh, online. So, uh, and it's interesting uh, data that uh, uh, fraud in paid marketing, uh, only drug traffic can uh, bring more money than uh, fraud in uh, paid advertisement. Can you tell? And we got the question, uh, what tactics do you use to secure links? Uh, I don't know, it's related to uh, advertisement or not, but uh, can you tell uh, how to avoid uh, this fake clicking uh, in your marketing? For example, when you need to pay a lot uh, per click, especially on LinkedIn, uh, sometimes it costs like $10, $20, but how to avoid fake clicks uh, if your competitors I don't know, or any other uh, things can happen, you know, to click your uh, uh, marketing campaigns. Right. So, I mean, LinkedIn does have a lot of bots. I see certain clients get picked up by a lot of bots, only a couple of them. We contact LinkedIn and they try to fix it. They have a lot of problems. Um, so um, usually LinkedIn is better with that. Twitter is notorious for bots, right? If you've been following Elon Musk's purchase or alleged purchase, <laughs> Um, right, is that it's an insane amount of bots. And often you think you're, you're speaking to a human, but it's a bot, you know, easily probably half the platform is bots. And of course they have a lot of SEC problems, which is why they wanted to force the deal because they have so many bots. They've been lying to advertisers such as ourselves of how many impressions and clicks and things you're getting when in fact, they're not actually humans. They're unique accounts often made by bot farms in order to give people fake followings and likes and retweets in order to demonstrate that they have far more influence to get real humans to engage and consume the content. Uh, Google has something called invalid clicks where they usually try to go and they find out where they have invalid clicks. Maybe a competitor, someone's clicking on an ad a lot of time. They think that it's bots clicking it and then they reconcile it. And then of course that they remove it from your total data. And then of course, from what the invoice you, that being said, there's a lot of technologies there to filter out bots. We have an influencer marketing platform for cybersecurity called Cyfluencer, Cyber Influencer. And so we pay for a couple side solutions that are actually able to go through filter bots and remove them from being able to count them. However, the challenge though, even though they're not paying for bots and we're spending a lot of money in order to be able to filter them out, it can screw up your analytics sometimes because you see a whole bunch of clicks and a very high bounce rate, very low page on site, really gets watered down if you have a bot attack. Even if it's not significant, 
maybe it's not in the thousands, but even like, you know, 50 can really lower down your average significantly. And it doesn't give you a proper representation of the data that you're looking at as a marketer. That's probably the greatest thing. I wouldn't worry so much about, because the advertisers have a huge interest of making sure that they remove bots and they're giving you as much accurate as possible. They're not charging you for anything that you're not, with the exception of Twitter, who's been playing all of us, it appears, I see. Um, but on the other hand, the problem is that when you might look in, you know, your HubSpot, you might look in your Google Analytics, et cetera, um, bots often aren't filtered out, even though you're not paying for them. And it can really screw up your data and the decisions and strategy that you make might be based on data that's really uh, skewed. So that, mm -hmm. that's what you got to keep in mind. Yeah, awesome, awesome, valuable. Uh, I have the question about uh, focusing, even, uh, no, not focusing, management. For example, you know, uh, I found that uh, when I speak with uh, marketing experts, they usually uh, focus on one specific marketing campaign, Google ads or Facebook ads or LinkedIn ads, uh, YouTube, you know, uh, but um, you have a team. Can you tell how to manage uh, a team of experts? Because you mentioned that you can help Google, LinkedIn, many uh, platforms. Tell about management. How to manage uh, various specialists, experts, and provide results to clients? Right. So I don't like management. Uh, I'm not great <laughs> at it. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not my strength. Uh, I'm more of, uh, my strength is more around leadership than management. But I hire great management to manage our account managers who manage the campaign managers. So we have a couple of layers of management to ensure. In order to be able to do that, what we need first and foremost is a excellent training, excellent shadowing. So we make sure we have a senior person and a junior person on every call that serves a client. So the junior person can rapidly learn as fast as you can um, in order to understand what to use when. Additionally, it's having a very good processes and playbooks to know what to do under what circumstance understanding the platforms and how they work with one another, what their strengths are, what different, how different platforms can provide different audiences, different platforms have different targeting methods, right? Where are they usually in the marketing funnel when they're on that platform and how you can properly target it. So getting a proper understanding of all of the platforms is imperative to be able to know what to use when, but really it comes from years of experience working with dozens of clients and seeing over time what works and what doesn't to be able to know what to recommend at the right time and more importantly, what to avoid at the right time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And you mentioned about uh, testing uh, that uh, you can find what actually works, what don't. And, but you know, I found on uh, when you set up paid marketing, it costs uh, some money because, for example, uh, on organic reach, I can write an article, I can post uh, some, I don't know, some information, but it doesn't cost uh, only my time. Yeah, of course, time uh, costs uh, some resources as well. But can you tell about testing? How uh, to find? Uh, I don't know, like how to test in paid marketing because if you set up uh, some campaigns, it doesn't work. You can lose money. Uh, from your experience, how to overcome it? Uh, how to overcome to make sure that you're not losing money on your campaign? Yes, yes, yes. Something like this. <laughs> right. So I mean, the goal is our goal is that let's say. 95 at least 95 percent or higher of every click is someone who want to speak to that's the goal so if it's google it's running extensive search term reports to ensure every search term where people actually write into google is relevant excluding the ones that aren't having a robust negative keyword list or bus keyword research properly organizing them into proper groups and ad groups and serving them the proper ads to ensure anything that anyone searches that you want so 
regularly sculpting campaigns and ad groups to ensure that the search terms are relevant and excluding ones that aren't. And from social media, let's say LinkedIn as an example, you want to run demographics reports. You want to see what companies are seeing your ads. You want to see what job titles, what job functions, what seniorities, what countries, and keep going through them and also add negatives, the, um, the, uh, the, the locations, the companies, the company size, the seniority, the job titles, to ensure that you're targeting the right people, so you're uh, to ensure that you're no that you're excluding the wrong people, so only the right people you want to see. I'll give you an example. A lot of people think, let's say, hey, let's say um, we have a couple of clients that do marketing. Te they have a marketing technology. They want to target marketers, let's say, at technology at um, at businesses with over 50 employees. However, if you just target job function, marketing, and the right seniority, the right companies within that marketing, you're going to pick up a lot of people that might not be relevant. Graphic design might be in there as an example. SEO often might not be your target audience. They're not decision makers, you know what I mean? Things like that. So being able to run those demographics reports, see who's running them, and then adding those exclusions so they stop seeing them in the future is the best way to refine it. What's important to understand is that you need to have an appetite for you to be able to that you'll have, there's a learning curve and testing that you're gonna have to spend money to see what data you're getting to who's seeing your ads and who's clicking on them so you can then double down or you can exclude the ones that aren't. You can't expect things to be perfect from the beginning. It takes time and it involves patience and involves a test budget, uh, test budget and tolerance. And if you can do that, then you'll succeed in the medium and long term. Okay, uh, let's talk about succeed in the long term because uh, Susan Brown, uh, she's active today and she want to know uh, favorite client success story. If you can share some story, it will be great. Um, trying to think of probably one that's a little bit, um, um, trying to think without violating an NDA, I'll speak in very generic terms, uh, of this thing recently. So sometimes when you know things are going to happen, let's say in the news, right. That are going to come up right regularly. Um, uh, and you might know something's coming. Uh, actually, I'll give an example that we served for a few clients. Uh, let's say they're getting a, they're working on getting um, uh, in Gartner, getting defined a new category. And they know it's probably going to come, but it's going to be eight to 10 months. One of the main things that people do is currently there's no search terms or people aren't using that technology for that new term so much, but you shouldn't wait. You should start to do SEO as soon as possible for those search terms, because then when you're going to, for those keywords, because if you start getting, you know, the proper organic backlinks and the proper interlinking and you're writing blogs and content on it. And then when that becomes a category and then all of your competitors start to immediately execute SEO for those keywords, if you have an eight to 10 month head start, you can guarantee as they start to use that terminology in their ads, in their sale, in their sales messaging, et cetera, that's going to elevate, that's going to increase the number of your target audience. They're going to be searching for it in Google and other search engines. So being able to do SEO early on can guarantee that you can hold on to maybe the top few spots on organic search. And that is a typical success story is that being able to understand where the market and where things are heading and that you can prepare yourself for success. So therefore your competitors are always playing catch up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. I have the question about, uh, uh, what to start first, for example, you know, uh, we know about teaching or act, we don't know, but, uh, what about organic reach or paid marketing from your experience? Uh, what, what's better to start first? Uh, I didn't hear organic reach or what? Or uh, paid marketing. Uh, well, it depends. I mean, look, if you have no following, mm -hmm. right. And if you're, 
way behind in SEO, then you're going to need advertising reach. So in the near term, in the short term, always advertising. But if you already having revenue, and ideally if you're profitable, but if you have revenue, you should absolutely, and you see that you're a startup here to stay, you're not still figuring it out and all of that, but you know what I mean? Like you're here, your revenue established a branch and extent, then it's very important that as soon as you can, you start to get into organic. Because once you're able to start to do organic, you're going to be able to target the, um, then overall, you'll find in several months, maybe even a year, you'll start to get a lot of organic traffic in search, which is high intent, with outside of a personal recommendation, asking Google and giving you an organic result is the highest recommendation, not from a person that you know. Um, and also being able to build that brand on social media and a following and engagement demonstrates social proof that a lot of people organically agree with what you're doing. Um, and they see that there's something there in your product, your solution, in your messaging. And so therefore you should be able to, to do organic. But in the short term, definitely advertising. And then if once you're getting revenue back, you should start to do organic. But understand that it's going to take several months to start to see any kind any kind of uh, return in pipeline. Uh, I have the question about uh, common mistakes. Can you list uh, common mistakes that you can see marketers still do? And your recommendation how to find the right way, uh, I mean, like to learn about uh, the right way. Yeah, what do you think? So I think one of the most common mistakes is that people focus too much on their competitors, even though you should be looking at your competitor's website to see what keywords they're ranking for, what they're bidding on, what their anchor texts are and everything. Maybe you can get some ideas and see where you would compete. But unfortunately, when people, people have, we all have a, a large egos, me included. So let's say if you're bidding on a competitor, you might want to focus on your competitor's weakness and say we're better because, and I find that that for B2B in particular, not e-commerce where they're making the sale that time, but for B2B that has longer marketing velocity, marketing cycles and sales cycles, is that they're searching for your competitor because just like when they search for you, they assume that you provide a solution to a problem that they have and they associate it with your brand name for whatever reason. So instead of trying to rip up your competitors when you're bidding on them in Google, I would, which is very common, what I would do is try to take messaging and the perceived strength of that competitor Use that into your messaging so you can get that click and then let remarketing continue to engage with them in the medium and long term to hopefully that they'll end up becoming a sales qualified lead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Valuable. I agree with that now. But because now I see when marketers use tools like SEMrush, Aishiras, or any, any others, they uh, add their competitors, uh, analyze uh, where they get traffic and trying to replicate them. No, but you have your unique selling proposition, your customers might be different. So yeah, it's not a good idea. Okay, you can analyze them. I, I love learning from competitors, but I usually uh, search for their gaps, you know, for their uh, weak side and think how you can convert your strong side. Okay, can you tell about uh, creating a buying persona? Can you tell? Because you no, know, I see uh, when uh, marketers uh, use different methods of uh, creating buying persona, some of them can talk to salespeople. Uh, I know even some can go to the customers directly to talk to them, to know their pain points. Can you tell your methods of creating a buying persona? I mean, what we would we would interview first the marketer, and then we'd interview the salesperson, understand their persona. And then I talked about this a little earlier is actually find out what people people that are scheduling demos what their persona looks like that are relevant let's say they showed up to a second demo so they showed up it was great and then they scheduled the second call right 
So these are the kind of people, these are the personas that you're looking for. So it's actually reverse engineering and doing the research of who are the personas that you're already engaging with and moving forward. And then understanding that there's the, the person that the, often people think the persona is a decision maker, but I find that the decision makers, are, so let's say if you want to target, if you're a cybersecurity company, many say they want to target the CISO. And I say, well, one well, of the CISOs in North America are like $55 a click. Um, but the person that reports under them are often $30 a click, let's say. So those are the actual ones going to a demo and two demos. Then they bring in the CISOs. So it's important to understand that even though the CISO will show up to a demo, will sign off on it, but they're going to be brought in when it's ready to compare you to two or three of your competitors. The first people to bring things in are those that are actually going to be using that technology uh, or your services hands on. And those that that solution is going to make their job easier. And they're going to be looking for that. So you often your persona from my experience should extend usually a little lower in seniority than you think. And then lower down the funnel, you should move up seniority. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Okay, yo, I, I have the question about, uh, let's imagine, you have no experience, uh, knowledge, skills, anything. You need to start from scratch. Can you tell, uh, what would you do today to learn more about paid marketing? Today, what would I do? The best way is yeah. by serving clients. I mean, doing the work, seeing what works, seeing what fails, and I continue to try new things. Keeping your pulse on new platforms. So Quora just launched ad, uh, video ads, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, one, subscribe to all the advertising newsletters. So once a week, you'll get a thing and they'll tell you all of the new technologies that are coming out. And then you see how you can incorporate it into, uh, into your client's accounts or into your personal account. So that's the first thing, seeing what the new targeting messages by, by signing up to their newsletters. I found that to be the best way to do it, for, uh, to find out what's new. And then just test, a test, you know, mm -hmm. assuming you have unlimited budget and unlimited time that I would test every, uh, I would test every, uh, every major platform for your industry, at least from a remarketing perspective, to see what to see how what the interest is like there. To see so like if you were to do remarketing on Facebook versus Reddit, which is a higher click through rate? Even it's just remarketing. So someone's already been your website or something. And you can kind of get an idea what's where at what cycle people are interested in what. It takes a lot of time, but most importantly, it takes a lot of listening. And uh, I would just subscribe to the newsletter for all the main for all the main advertising platforms. And I'm sure there are some niche people, not that I can think of right now, that might talk about these really like niche, niche, niche platforms. I would look into them, ask around in your industry. You know, there may be unique platforms there where it wouldn't be cost per clicks, but usually you can advertise on newsletters, podcasts, et cetera. There's a lot of opportunities there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Okay, uh, and uh, what kind of skills paid marketing marketers need to have today from your experience? I mean, like my upside of analytics, can you tell uh, or list this uh, kind of skills? What kind of skills? I mean, one you need to understand. The main thing a marketer needs to understand is the psychology of the person consuming your marketing. Mm -hmm. That's the main. That's the main thing. Um, mm -hmm. Numbers, the metrics are very important. Understand the stories the numbers tell, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't understand what that means. So people have been like, oh, okay this landing page had a higher balance rate than this one. Yeah, well, you know, you didn't have a call to action or a forum. It was just a blog. So, of course, who doesn't read a blog or a news article? Then they close the tab. Okay, bounce rate. So you have to know when to use time on site, when to use bounce rate. Understand the psychology of what content they consume and when and how they consume it. So understanding the psychology of the consumer 
understanding the, the psychology of how we use social media, how we use search, you know, which Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about. These are the kind of things, these are probably the best things that we can understand. Uh, I have the question about the future of paid marketing. Uh, can you forecast the, the future? Uh, what we need to consider today to cover this future? Because many things are coming, metaverse, Web 3.0, uh, virtual reality. What do you think? What kind of future will be in paid marketing? Um, so I think we're going to find a lot more, particularly for B2C, more than B2B, but also B2P. Um, particularly Google's clearly moving this direction, and I'm sure I know Facebook is also, is that there's going to be less automation optimization. The strategy is going to be the main focus, understanding the psychology of the user, excuse me, understanding up campaigns properly, doing proper keyword research, understanding what their needs are, talking to them, how to properly make a funnel. These are the main things. I think optimizing campaigns is going to happen less and less because after you get a certain amount of conversions, let's say on Google or LinkedIn, Google in particular, you can say maximize conversions, and then the AI and the algorithm will know how to how to properly do that. For e-commerce, that's already here. Um, for B2C, that's slowly behind, and B2B, that's much further behind. But I think what you need to look out for, more strategy and more customer service is gonna be more necessary, as AI and algorithms are gonna help you get those conversions if you totally understand what your client's needs are and be able to create a strategy and a plan that reflects those needs and your goals and ambitions. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned about AI. Can you tell, uh, do you use AI tools uh, to create the marketing question? Do I use AI tools to create the marketing what? Uh, marketing campaigns. Um, no, we currently don't. I mean, we use the ARM platform tools as necessary after we get enough conversions, maybe maximize conversions or choosing the proper bid. Or maybe sometimes if it's um, if it's people for competitors with the right targeting, so there's for competitors might do maximize clicks and things like that. You know what I mean? Maximize reach in a sense that isn't AI. We do that. But outside of the AI on the platforms, we're not necessary. We're not exactly using that at the moment because we find for B2B, as I stated earlier, AI is definitely here for e-commerce. You should be using it. And for B2C uh, to a less extent, but also you know non-e-commerce B2C. But for B2B, um, I don't think there's anything there yet, but it's clearly being worked on, clearly coming. And there are a lot of marketing technologies that are trying to serve this. Yeah. Guys, I'm sorry for this noise because I can't avoid it. <laughs> Someone decided to cut grass you know, on my backyard, but what I can do. Uh, yo, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you, to share a lot of valuable insights. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, so uh, you see my name, Yoel Israel, like the country. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, or you can uh, search wadidigital.com. Um, and I would love to have you send me a connection request. Let me know you saw me from uh, Anatoly's show. And I look forward to connecting, engaging, and following each other on LinkedIn. Nice. Guys, you can find all those links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. You know, welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. Guys, you need to follow you because you can see a lot of valuable insights. So you can learn, you can find the right direction and go ahead. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.